I'm Aysan and this is a podcast about Manchester City and football. As it happens, Manchester City won the Premier League this season and that is the first time in 10 years that a Premier League club has won the title back-to-back. Joining me this morning to talk about what has been great on the football pitch about Manchester City this season, I've got firstly Mr Howard Hockey. Morning, Howard. Good morning. Ready to be positive? Oh, yes, the sun's still out here, so... <laughs> Excellent. Three days got... on the road now. <laughs> oh, wow. Crikey. Have you got your sunscreen on? No, it's not. <laughs> this is the north of England. Don't get carried away. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Also, after a very long break, we've got Mr. Mark Meadowcroft. Morning, Mark. Hi, how are you? Very good. How are you, sir? Of course, we're fantastic. What a week it is. Let's... Just clear all the noise that's going around us that's irrelevant and celebrate 198 points from Brighton to Brighton. Indeed. I like that. I like that a lot. And I've got Mr. Jordan Elgott representing... Can I say you're representing the media today, Jordan? Uh, it's quite quite a weight to put on my shoulders, but you can do. <laughs> Jordan Elgott is not representing the media <laughs> because the media are not our favourite people right now. Um, anyway, so gentlemen, look... What is this podcast about? This podcast is really about looking at the season that we've just had and and you guys telling me about the moments that you've that you've enjoyed the most, that that you remember the most, the the things that we should think about and the things that we should talk about that sometimes it feels they come and they go really quickly and they get lost and we don't really talk about them after they've happened because there's more important or pressing or more hot takes to to be had in more controversial subjects. So, no, we're going to skip all that. We're just going to talk about the football. Um, I think I'm going to start with you, Jordan. Uh, to go back to the very start of the season, um, did you feel that it was possible that City would accumulate a similar points tally? I didn't, to be honest. I think only strengthening with Riyad Mahrez, although, you know, spending 60-odd million, I think his City's record transfer should be deemed as strengthening the squad. I thought with the demands placed on in the season before, competing on all four fronts, and also, if you cast your minds back, I remember to the Arsenal game, I was quite concerned that City would have a slow start after the World Cup. Most of City's, I think City had the most players appearing at a World Cup of any English club. Um, so I, I was quite concerned in that respect and I, I really didn't think it was possible City would get anywhere near, even though they'd been playing so well. I remember saying last year that it's it's quite a bittersweet time to be a City fan because it doesn't get any better than this. And to get anywhere near, I think it was a surprise just because, well, what City did last year was unprecedented and to, to continue that into this year is remarkable. Um, Howard... I know that that you're a, I know that you're a to put it politely pessimistic man when it comes to to City. <laughs> not anymore. Um, no, I know not anymore. Um, how, what was your take on how you how do you follow up a hundred point season? If you cast your mind back to last August and and the beginning of 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 this campaign, um, how did you feel about what we'd achieved and what sort of pressure that may have put on us? Um, and how you felt the players and the the club would react. Yeah, pretty much what Jordan said. To be honest, uh, to, I thought a hundred points is a freak, and I don't think you know it goes beyond how good the team is. Because I mean, you could play with freedom once. I mean, we knew the league was won. I don't know January, February, really. 
Uh, I think there was a, a Monday night or midweek win at Stoke where I, as the pessimist, only truly believed then that we'd done it. But oh, if we'd lost that game, I think we'd still have had a double-point lead at the top of the uh, the table. And to get 100 points means you drop 14 points over eight months, nine months, which is just... It's staggering. It's hard to comprehend in a way. Just going into every single match as the best team does not mean you win every team, every game, because football don't work like that. And I did think there'd be a drop-off. Uh, yeah, the World Cup were with me too. Uh, there was a lot of players who obviously had to be eased back in. They just could not play immediately. And, you know, we started off with a, a trip to Arsenal, so it wasn't wasn't the easiest. Uh, obviously, I think we had Huddersfield after that. But yes, the main problem, the bookie said we're huge favourites. I knew we had the best team. No, no team has won back-to-backs until now for a decade. And one of the reasons is the summer recruitment has been appalling. Every single one, City in twice, United, uh, Leicester. You know, after Leicester won the league, I don't think any of the players he signed are still there, like Slimani or players like that. And City only signed Mahrez. Well, that's you know one big £60 million purchase. But had we made the same mistake? Well, I was more relaxed because it was the squad was just so strong anyway. It didn't really need four players coming in. But the main worry, yeah, was psychological. It's just so hard, I think. Uh, and they've had the wobbles like any team would. It's just so hard to do that again the second season when everyone's gunning for you, when you're the main prize. It was the psychological side that made me think, if we're not going to do it, that will be the reason. Mm. Uh, and I, yeah, I thought, there's no way we're getting 100. There's no way we're getting near that. It depends. And I didn't think we'd need to. I thought 90 would have won the league easy. Uh, but yeah, didn't quite turn out that way. And that's the big thing of the season, I think, mentally. The mental side. They absolutely yeah. nailed it, I think, on the whole, in the league especially. Mm. Um Mark, if you look at that opening opening period of the season, um, what what was your most memorable game in that kind of opening sequence between Arsenal and uh, and when we get to the Liverpool game on the seventh of October, uh, which I think we'd kind of when we when the fixtures came out, I think we'd kind of looked at the run of fixtures and gone, Arsenal's a tricky start, and then we've got a fairly amenable set of fixtures until we get to until we get to the Liverpool game. I think we played Huddersfield, Wolves, Newcastle, Fulham, Cardiff, and Brighton before we go to uh, to Anfield. So, any game in that run that really jumped out for you? One moment in one game, certainly, yes. Um, the Fulham game, uh, I can't even remember quite why, but we got really strange seats. Uh, for the first time ever, I was in the front row of the the North Stand, the family stand, directly behind the goal. And uh, this is, isn't is relevant to City particularly at all, but it's certainly a memory of the season. Uh, it, it is that it's really worth, while Pep is at City, to try and watch one match from the front row behind the goal because then you see what it's like for them passing the ball out from the back inside their penalty area bear in mind this was Fulham who frankly weren't very good Mm. but you know when you're that close up because of course you don't get the impression of it uh, uh, when you're further up it was terrifying I had my eyes shut I was just (laughs) what (laughs) earth were Laporte and Edison doing because of course you've suddenly got you know Schurler and Mitrovic and 
good players basically charging down on top of these players and they were just flicking it to each other. And that was an, a, an amazing experience. I sort of don't want to do it again because the thing is, if you're in the front row behind a goal, you can't really see so well up the other end, although it's brilliant when they're down your end. Um, but for that, that was a, 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 an amazing experience and, and you just can't believe it. But after a while, you work out what they've done on the training ground uh, because, you know, Laporte and Edison were flicking it around. But after a while, you saw there was always a player out by one of the corner flags and they knew where they were. So if there was a risk, the ball just went out to the corner flag and there was a City player there. OK, they're trapped in by the corner, but they weren't imminently going to concede a goal. And so that I do really remember. Do you think that, um, and I'll, kind of, I'll throw this out to the three of you, maybe Mark, you go first and I hear from Howard as well. Do you think that the Etihad crowd has, what is this, season three of Pep that we've just had? Have they finally come to terms with that side of the way that we play? Or is there still, basically, do we trust Edison enough now that it doesn't matter how many players are closing him down? We feel confident that that we can play out from the back. Or is there still a momentary intake of breath? I think we trust them all, all over the pitch. And that's really shown at the end of the season rather than the beginning. Because with you, I was watching the, the, the Leicester game and I wasn't actually as worried as some other people. I thought, yeah, they're, they're going to score a goal at some point. And actually, I know obviously it's fantastic the way they did. But a couple of minutes before that, they had almost scored with a, a goal as typical of City from Aguero with that one that he couldn't quite flick around Schmeichel that was as typical as the company goal was atypical of the, the, the Guardiola style. And similarly, the the the, 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 the Brighton game, I, I, I watched that with my dad in my parents' living room, um, exactly the same chairs that we watched the, uh, uh, the 93-20 game in. And... Neither of us were that concerned. Mm. Yeah, even okay, it was only eighty-three seconds. I thought, oh, they'll they'll they'll, they'll get up the other end and they'll score one. And uh, as you guys have um, said on the uh, just the other day, yeah, once Aguero equalised, yeah, we'd scored a goal. We were going to get another one, and it was a, a weirdly not a, a tension-filled experience in the way that other matches in in previous eras absolutely were. Mm, absolutely, Howard. What about for you? Do you think that the do you think we like the build up? Yeah, yeah. I, the first year, I think, yeah, it was hysteria in the crowd at times. <laughs> uh, bra- yeah, that would be Bravo, and he was handy with his feet, yeah, if not with his hands. Uh, so he's pretty good at it. But yeah, we just were not used to this. This was just you know, it took more lives. Took all years off the lives of City fans, and I think the title one that we've just had, uh, <laughs> absolutely, just kick it. Yeah, the number of times people around go, kick it long, kick it long. Uh, I think pretty much after Edison came in, uh, yeah, except the yeah, they accepted it, and we've had three years now. I think used to it. I can't remember what I've been watching videos for. You know, doing season review book, and it's I think it was Southampton away. Where Edison pretty much does a coif turn on the line to get away from a Southampton straight. It might have been Charlie Austin or someone like that. And it's like, oh my God. So there's still those moments where you think, oh, just get rid of it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know, if you can't, after three years, understand that this, anyway, however much it unnerves you, this is absolutely crucial to the way we play. Then you're never going to understand it. Uh, but, and yeah, as Mark said, at some point, 
and maybe Liverpool away last year, was it? I don't know if you can call that you know, part of our passing out. At some point, there'll be a terrible mistake and a goal will be scored. But the advantages just so far outweigh the disadvantages that yeah, I think everyone realises how important it is nowadays. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, Jordan, yeah. Do you remember that? Do you remember that first month of the season that the kind of run up to the Liverpool game? You kind of we're coming out at the end of September, having the only the only blip we have is the uh, is the one one draw with Wolves, and and we feel kind of hard done by because of the Bolly handball. Um, did you feel already at that point that that Anfield game was going to be crucial to to the title? Or was it too early in the season to to begin to worry like that? No, I, I always thought the Liverpool games would be would be title deciders because of how well they performed at the end of last year. They, their momentum was so um, was so key to that run, and then I thought it was inevitable that they were going to carry it on. Van Dijk looks would settle their defence, and obviously with the added tension of playing at Anfield, where City haven't won for I forget how long, but it's it's not a great start. Um, yeah, so I always thought that that would be a key match. Um, in that run-up, though, I, I was quite confident with how City were playing. At the Huddersfield game, which Mark mentioned, um, was one of the best games in terms of performances City ha- have had this season. I was watching the uh, every goal video that City put up on YouTube yesterday in preparation for this, and the goals that City scored against Huddersfield, if you remember the Edison assist to Aguero where he chipped it over Ben Hamer in the Huddersfield goal, uh, David Silva's free kick, Aguero got a hat-trick and finished it off with a beautiful flick. So I thought that City were coming into it in good form despite that Wolves draw, which, as you say, I think probably deserved to win given that Wolves' goal should have never stood. Yeah, <laughs> just that, but yeah, that bowler. I think obviously we're going to talk about a lot of the best memories are towards the end of the season, aren't they, Jordan? But yeah, I had I think, to reacquaint myself with uh, a lot of the earlier ones. Yeah, but I think uh, what some of this early stuff did, uh, what that late stuff did, sorry, was you know at least we get to stop talking about handballs and more importantly that that Mares missed penalty. Uh, I hadn't forgotten if, about that. <laughs> How do you really? Do you think that <laughs> I just found it quite tiresome that a penalty in when was it September could mm-hmm. really be counted as uh, important in the nine month campaign? Uh, was I alone on that then, Jordan? Do you think that um, uh, would you have helped? Would you have said that was a, the key moment so early in the season? if we hadn't got over the line ahead of Liverpool. If City had lost the league by one point, then I think naturally your mind does go back to that. I did, I did feel quite a lot for Mares because that ultimately shaped the perception of him probably up until a week ago for yeah. all City fans. You know, there, there are people that I see on Twitter who absolutely hate the guy. You know, fans of City who hate one of their players. Um, so I felt it was unfair. But I think if at the end of the season, Liverpool win that title by one point, then naturally your mind looks back and you think if Mares scores that penalty, which he should have done, you know, you've got to score a penalty, then... Um, Do you though? It, Do you? <laughs> I, I think can, so. Can I make a point? You've got to get it on target, yeah. Yeah, you don't much, blast yeah. it over. Yeah. I, was, what, I also watched that uh, video of all the goals last night. That was my preparation for this. And uh, Mares was interesting the way that he featured uh, in that it was really, really striking that 
almost all of his contributions were in away games. It's as if if you gave him marks out of 10 for the season, you'd struggle to give him a, a 5 out of 10 for his performances that Vietti had. But in the away games, looking at the consistent contributions he made in tight away games, he's probably worthy of a 7, and that may reflect some of the attitude. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I, I mean, the only home... The only home moments that I can remember are the the goals against Burnley. Um, one really nice curler into the top corner. Um, I don't know. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he feels the pressure quite a bit. I mean, I, I don't know if I'm reading too much into it, but uh, when he scored against Brighton, he didn't run over to celebrate with the fans. I'm not sure if there's that connection there. Well, there probably isn't because he's not got the best reception. But maybe he's, yeah, he doesn't feel the love of the fans at the moment. I mean, I'll, men- I'll mention Burton if- away because we're not really going to discuss Burton away during our season highlights, <laughs> uh, which yeah. was just, you know, a, such a boring, pointless night. And, yeah, I thought it'd be amazing. It wasn't. And Mares was getting stick after about 30 seconds, which just, you know, goes to show Jordan that he was, all, he, you know, by then he was already just, you know, he, he didn't, he had no chance with some yeah. of the City fan base, it seemed, so... It, it's with you because if you are uh, uh, judging him on home performances, the, the the contrast is with when he played for Leicester. He was two or three times absolutely terrific as an opposing player, and his best performances have come as an opposing player. But away games, I just think that you saw it again and again on that video that tight away games, he's there. Mm. Do you think that um, just staying with the Liverpool game? Do you think that we saw something different? from City or from Pep's City that we hadn't seen before in the way that we approached that game that night? Uh, Jordan, I'll start with you. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think it was clear that City were just desperate to take any sting out of Liverpool, um, slowing the game down at every opportunity. It actually reminded me quite a lot of how City played in the first leg of the Champions League quarterfinal against Spurs. Uh, I think Pep sort of tried to anticipate in that game um, a reaction from the the crowd at the new Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and didn't want any... You know, City's game is all about control and he didn't want to lose that control and it's so easy to lose it at Anfield as we saw last season um, in the Champions League and also in the the Premier League. Um, So I think he was a lot more pragmatic than he usually was. I'm not going to say it was cowardly at all, um, but it wasn't as brave as City usually play, um, which I think was called for given how dangerous Liverpool are on the break, particularly with the way that City play with the high line. Um, And it it works. You know, City should have walked out 1-0 winners and I hope everyone would have come away and said it was a a masterclass um, from Guardiola. Hmm. Can I give you a contrarian view on this? That the match last season, the the Champions League game that went wrong uh, and the way he played this season they, they weren't actually that different he was he, he just did it a bit better but crucially we survived the first 15 minutes because mm. the, the Champions League match if you remember until that first goal which of course would not now survive VAR that first Liverpool goal it was sort of going to plan but they they, they, they scored a goal and that that first goal changed the whole tenor of the match and it just goes to show that there are fine lines of these things. And one of the dangers of analysing a season is to bring it down to one game. It shows the Champions League is a cup competition. You do need good fortune to get through it. Uh, and equally, one game doesn't tell you anything about it. The Mares penalty miss wasn't significant, nor was John Stones clearing it off the line because there were so many other 
things that could have gone differently in other matches. Mm, I mean, I think that I think one of the things is that the season, this season in particular, because of because of the way the 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 competition was, I think that we all on both sides saw signs of things that made us think it's our season. Um, and I think that the Mares moment, I think the Anfield, the Anfield game in its entirety, I think was a game that both sets of supporters walked away from somehow feeling like they'd, they were the winners on the day. Yeah. Somehow feeling that they'd, they'd struck a, a psychological blow. Yeah. Sorry, Howard. I was happy. Even though yeah. we missed a late penalty to win the game, and I still came away happy. Maybe because yeah, no, of my absolutely. past my past results had obviously clouded my judgment a bit. So, mm. um, so j- look, just kind of looking ahead. I mean, again, so we draw nil nil with Liverpool, and then we go all of October, all of November, up to the eighth of December in the Premier League without dropping a single point. And in that run, we beat Burnley, we beat Spurs, we beat Southampton, we beat United, beat West Ham, beat Bournemouth, and we beat Watford before we go to Chelsea and we lose 2-0 on the 8th of December. Um, Now I want to ask Howard and Jordan very quickly. Obviously at at the top of the season, neither of you felt that we could do the same thing again. When you get yourself to the first week of December and you've only drawn you've only drawn two games, the pace at that point has more or less been set. So Jordan, I'll start with you. Had your at that point had you changed your opinion on what it was going to take to actually win the title? I still believe City would win the title. I just didn't think that okay. they'd um they'd get close to the 100 points, which they did the season before. I still thought that City were the strongest side in the league and I thought it'd be more difficult. Um, When you get to the first week of December, still unbeaten, then obviously you're thinking, well, this side is still looking unbeatable, so they could do the same thing again. Um, But I think the the true measure is that Christmas... um, pile up of fixtures I think if you get through that mind you City did that last season and lost to Liverpool I think on January the 3rd Um, but if you get through that spell um, without a blip then I think you're you're eschewing for the title unfortunately as we saw City ended up with quite a few losses during that spell and all of a sudden your your hope starts to wave a little bit Mm. Do you think maybe, Howard, I'll throw this over to you. Do you think maybe then it's a little bit of a misnomer, this idea that, you know, that Christmas period... In fact, I'll rephrase the question. So, obviously, we get to the first week of December and we're perfect, right? And then December happens and we lose to Chelsea, we beat Everton, and then we lose to Palace and we lose to Leicester. So... In terms of your kind of the yo-yo of emotions... um, how do you feel by the 26th of, of December? How do you feel by, by the final whistle on Boxing Day? Is there a sense of... Um, what, I'm trying to, what I'm trying to figure out here is how our expectations this season, whether they were realistic or whether even those moments where we were furious, it was kind of unrealistic to expect that we'd just go the whole season as perfect. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I, yeah. Well, I mean, I wasn't expecting another crack at the Invincibles or anything like that. It's all about points, how you get them. You know, you can lose a couple if you win the rest and don't draw many. I don't. I, to be honest, I, I don't think it was unrealistic. I, no one saw that double whammy of 
Palace. Again, Leicester's not an easy place to go to. But to lose to Palace and Leicester in quick succession, did anyone really expect that to happen? Not really. I felt after that Leicester game, that was the halfway stage as well of the season. So we were 19 games in after that Leicester game. And we were seven behind Liverpool. I honestly thought it was 80% Liverpool's about that point. I think, if you remember what people were saying at the time, we were kind of... And the thing is, we had to follow up that with Southampton away, then Liverpool. I'll be honest, that was... There's one other lower point, and we'll come to that. This was about the lowest point of the season. And mm. I, I pretty much pretty much uh, resigned myself to us not winning the title. And a lot of people were like, look, you've got half the season to go. Liverpool will implode. But I didn't feel they would. That was my, Maybe that's just my pessimism that you just look at their fixture list and think they'll win it all. And that's you know the nature of being a football fan and seeing the worst and not seeing any drop points. But I just felt seven points with two other tricky games coming up. That was a very, very low point. Had we, I, I didn't think, go into the season. Sorry, Mark. I'll, I'll almost. I'll, sorry, I'll finish. Sorry, yeah. I'll finish up now. Uh, I, I did go into the season expect us to break records or really thinking about how it would go. I just thought we should win the league again, and forty-four points off nineteen games would normally be fine. But yes, I think I don't think I was disappointed in City's point tally. This little blip always happens in a season. Don't think any teams ever won every game over Christmas anyway. It's that hectic. I just felt that the pace was being set was probably higher than I could possibly have imagined from Liverpool. Mm. I, yeah. I, sorry, Mark, go for it. Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to say that the, the uh, Southampton game and uh, really is the match that is of, shall we say, underappreciated importance there yeah. mm. on the season. That was a that 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 was crucial. And if you remember, they brought company back for that game. Um. We'd had a problem of scoring early and then the opposition equalising, which is exactly what happened in that match. It was also a mistake by Zinchenko, and we're talking about playing out from the back. That was probably the one goal that was conceded from that over the season. Um, uh, And then after that, we... I was, and to be fair, it's a brilliant refereeing decision by Tierney, who seemed to get all of the. Whenever he refereed, there was always a, an interesting decision, but he got that right, if you remember, when uh, Zinchenko didn't touch the guy but was around him and didn't give the penalty, and the crowd was so, so you know, fair play to the referee on that one. Then they went up the other end, uh, got a very fortunate goal, if you remember the Sterling one, bounced off two players. Maybe even yeah. two players, yeah. Uh, and then Guardiola made a lot of the Zinchenko cross for Aguero. Um, it actually wasn't, it was an okay cross, but it was brilliant. Aguero made so much of it, scored a, a fantastically important goal. And, it, uh, and that was half time in the second half, not a lot happened. But that was such an important game because Southampton had a new manager in who was a serious upgrade on what they had previously. And uh, you, you, you look, at least with December, we came out of it on a better note. What I remember about that time as well. Um, to take a slightly more pessimistic view, which I'm sure Howard will uh, will appreciate, um, was will. The, it, it was the only time in the season that the players seemed to hit a wall. Um, yeah. There were so many players off their game around that time. Even Bernardo Silva, who for me was the most consistent City player all season, um, 
looked pretty useless. He was he was struggling. I think he only scored in that Leicester game, um, and then ran his arse off against Liverpool at home around that time as well. Um, well, that was a lot before that actually. But yeah, around that December time, um, there was Delph playing quite a bit, and I think we all realised that Delph was no longer the left back which he was last season. Um, David Silva was off his game. Zinchenko was also off his game as well as you just said, Mark. Um, that Southampton game indicative of that, and it, it was. You know, you're looking with five months of the season left. It, it wasn't about just crawling over the line at that point. You're thinking they're going to have to really turn it around here. They're going to have to find some energy from somewhere and give it a real good go until the end of the season. And as you say, Mark, that Southampton game was pretty crucial in terms of, you know, getting City back on track. And I think the other thing from that match that Guardiola really... I think he knew already, to be honest with you, but we saw it again towards the end of the season, is that he saw this is how you use Vincent Company. Yeah. And also, just sorry, I've, I've forgotten one person who was having a stinker of a time, and that was Kyle Walker. Walker, yeah. He, he, oh, he yeah. was yeah. terrible around that time. Yeah. The Palace game was his nadir, I think. And, no, you're right, Jordan, because when you analyse the Palace and Leicester games and say, why did they lose? Nothing really springs to mind. It was mm. just lethargic, Nothing was really happening. I think the Leggy, Crystal Palace game, but there was a worldie in that, wasn't there? Yeah, Townsend, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, in both games, we scored first as well and lost, which is, for, for this team, is unbelievable. And we'd then go and do that against Newcastle. So we lost the lead to lose a game three times against, and I say in you know, speech marks, mid-table teams. Mm. And that was one of the most worrying things as well. We'd got in, we'd got control of the game and then lost it early goals as well early goals you know the Newcastle yeah. one was 25 seconds I think Palace was uh, inside the first 15 I think uh, the Bernardo's opener at Leicester was inside the first 25 and you think when City score first it should be a, a formality the way that you know the control that City have on games um, just playing devil's advocate for one moment guys um, I, although I appreciate all of what you've just said, don't you think it's a little bit unrealistic? Because because when you look at the way the rest of the season plays out, basically, if you remove December, then City get in excess of 100 points again, and this really is a farmer's league. Don't you think it's a little bit unrealistic to expect a side that did? And I think this is the, I guess this is the context that I've got now that I didn't have in December, is that, they did 100 points last season, and that was, in and of itself, an enormous thing to do. To then come into this season, to get to the first week of December, relentlessly winning games. Do you not think that when somebody landed a blow, that there would be some that there would be something of an adjustment period? Not that they'd fall apart or anything like that. That there would be a kind of natural dip just from the fact that suddenly you don't feel invincible, you feel human. No, that's fine. There's a dip. The worry was at that precise moment in time, we've got players who had been at the World Cup and were literally approaching 18 months of continuous mm-hmm. football. The worry was this was not a dip. This could spiral. There was two paths they took. City took the right one, <laughs> the one we wanted them to after that. The two results alone Look, it can happen, it's football, and it was it's that time of the year where it's just absolutely frantic. The worry was with Liverpool on the horizon is and the games just still coming thick and fast, even if there were some cup games on the horizon, 
that this would have a longer term effect. Uh, as it was, did turn out that way, and everything's fine. <laughs> <laughs> indeed, indeed. So look, um, we uh, we get through. Well, Liverpool come come to the Etihad uh, in what proves to be a crucial game on the uh, on the third of January. Now, I want to talk a little bit about the kind of where both those teams are going into that game and how you think, whether you think that that game set the tone for everything else that happened afterwards. Because I've got a little theory that City winning it gives them the the um, the smell of blood that they need to... And okay, I know that we lost to Newcastle in January as well, but I that genuinely felt like a, a, a freak result as opposed to December, which in December it kind of felt like maybe somebody had landed a punch and we were reeling a little bit and there was a little bit of that going on, whereas Newcastle felt freakish. But for me, what I felt after the Liverpool game was it kind of... It gave, it gave us the... The, um, the bit between our teeth that we needed. And it told them that it, it put the, the the doubt in their minds that I imagine that even a, a nil-nil or a one-one on that day, and I think that they probably think they're going to, uh, to cruise the league from there. So it, am I overstating its importance, Jordan? No, I don't think so. Um, I think also because City were on the ropes at the time, um, obviously with those losses that we just talked about. I have to say it was one of the the most hardworking performances I've seen from any City side ever because I think they they were struggling and I think Liverpool going into the game seemed a bit more, a bit more on it. It didn't turn out that way in the actual game because I think they were a bit tepid up front. Um but, you know, it, it really could have gone either way. And I think City had to work that extra bit harder than they would usually have to do to secure a result. And I don't want people to take this the wrong way, but I think if you play that game nine times out of ten, Liverpool probably get something from it. Um, the margins were so, so fine. You think of the Aguero opener, which somehow squeezed in at Alisson's mm. near post. And then Sané's winner, which took a slight deflection off Trent Alexander-Arnold's boot hit the inside of the post and almost rolled across the line and in. I think that was such a pivotal moment in the title race, obviously in terms of points, but also psychologically, because it gave City, A, the belief to go on and think, you know, we're now the best side in this league, or well, they should be thinking that already. But also, um, they didn't have to play Liverpool again after that. They'd taken four points out of their two games against Liverpool, which I think they probably would have taken at the start of the season and then could focus on beating all the other teams which they know that they're capable of doing. So I think it I think it was yeah. a pivotal moment to get I to think get that, the I, there was I, a I agree it was on, it could have gone a different way but that's football and I don't know if you know the stat this is the game in the end that stops Liverpool becoming champions centurions mm. and invincibles. Yeah. Uh, it was I thought both teams just gave everything that night. It was an absolutely amazing game. I saw some other people say it was boring. It was nothing of the sort. No. It's not just about chances. And yeah, real fine lines. I don't think it affected Liverpool psychologically. I don't think it did at all. Because I think they came out of that realising that it could have gone a different way, but it didn't, and that's football. And I will assume, I've not looked at their their uh, fixtures thereafter, but I assume they kept on winning games. Uh, 
I think the blip would have been a bit later when they drew a couple. Uh, as you say, Asan, the only problem for City, the momentum, is that it was then followed by two cup games where they'd probably have wanted... Maybe they'd wanted another league game quickly because they did get the mojo back. But then it, I think it might have taken so much out of the team as well. No, I'm, I'm going to disagree with Howard there. I think he did affect Liverpool um, because they then, after that, lost in the cup in Wolves. They played a weaker team. Yeah, but they so wanted they two to. two back-to-back defeats. Yeah, but they chose well, to do yeah, that. Yeah, but the, the difficulty is that then followed by the fact that they didn't play that well because the, their next couple of matches, and I did I was thinking about this, I did, I did check this, they went to Brighton and just won with a penalty that you might get, you might not get. And then there was the Crystal Palace game where the, the game where they were potentially certainly not going to win it until the guy threw the ball in yeah. the net, which wasn't the only time that happened that season. And then they got on a load of draws. And it, I think it did take a bit of wind out of their sails. And I, and I think the Liverpool match, pivotal match, but there was a pivotal moment within that match, which was after Liverpool equalised. And I've just mentioned the guy who came back for the Southampton game and stayed in for that game, probably... Let's be honest, a bit lucky to be on the pitch. But you could see when that equaliser went in company going, talking to the players, right, get up the pitch, get another one. Yeah. And that that moment between one all and Sane scoring, you know, there was a moment, okay, we're rocked back, we've got to go and go and win it again. And I, I, I thought that was five or ten minutes. And that was the moment, <coughs> and this is the problem, if he does go, that's what we're going to miss, is those crucial, difficult moments where you want him out. And just to add to to your point, Mark, about it affecting Liverpool, even if it didn't quite affect them in terms of their results, I remember so clearly the post-match interviews after that game and Andy Robertson, which has come back to bite him a little bit, where he said that um, they think they've won the title now or something along those lines, so hopefully our fans can rub it in at the end of the season. That you know that it it riled them, it riled them psychologically, and I think just the city knew that they didn't have to play Liverpool again. Um, Liverpool knew that they didn't have to play City again, and there was no chance to take points off them. And I don't think they, I think they probably thought that they were the only side capable of taking points off City in the remainder of the season, as it proved to to be really. So what I want to talk about next is um, the. Really, after Newcastle, the next game is is Arsenal at home, and then it's Everton away, and then it's Chelsea at home, right? So after Newcastle, I remember very vividly the conversation was, our league season could be over in the next two weeks because of the, the, the size and the importance of those games. Before we talk about individual players and truly individual moments that stood out for you that you loved... I want to talk about the winning streak, the 14-game winning streak that begins with the 3-1 win at Arsenal. Howard, I'm going to start with you. Wow. What do you think? What are the... um, I would say that Chelsea 6-0 is pivotal on the 10th of February because I think that maybe you get over the line at Arsenal Maybe you get over the line away at Everton, but it's when you pull Chelsea's pants down that you feel like, okay, maybe we can go the rest of the season without dropping any points at all. Mm. For me, that was pivotal. Would you go along with that? Are we done with January, by the way? Yes. Why? Right. Is there something you want to talk about in January? Only for about 30 seconds. Uh, go for it, mate. Just say it's very rare I see my team score 16 goals at home in four days. So, <laughs> whereas Rotherham yeah, and Burton Albion won't go down in the annals of history, there you know, was the greatest moments in the 
in the club's history. Uh, I think it's worthy of a mention. And my other low point, after we lost to Newcastle, I truly felt the league was over. So Liverpool drawing at Leicester the next night is also one of the pivotal moments. Shout out Kyle Walker's tweet. Shout out to Kyle Walker's tweet. Sorry, lads. <laughs> Which one? Uh, didn't he? Didn't he tweet after the uh, uh, after the Leicester game? It, it wasn't there like a massive. Come on, lads! Have you forgotten all the controversy that we've gotten ourselves in? This been a long season, eh, Sam? There's been so after, much. After Liverpool drew with Leicester, Kyle Walker oh. tweeted that that uh, that meme of yeah. uh, Harry Maguire uh, at the World oh, Cup, yeah. where he's, he's lent over and Walker or his team, whoever tweeted it on his behalf, have captioned and they thought they were going seven points clear or something like that. And I don't know if you remember, but by the afternoon, there was loads of controversy because, you know, the City lot were like, oh, Kyle, lad, why have you done that? You're just asking for trouble. And obviously the Liverpool lot were apoplectic and even the media picked up on it. So, sorry. Whilst we're on the subject of Twitter as well, sorry, can I just interject um, a big shout out to Mark Ogden who claimed that City were disrespectful for scoring too many goals (laughs) because because that that was one of my high points in the season. Yeah, exactly. To be honest, I was getting a bit embarrassed (laughs) by the end of the Burton match. (laughs) Don't score another one. Come on, lads. No, well, I think that Kyle Walker just absolutely sums up the faux hysteria that we're seeing this week. That it's just literally what how the world works nowadays. I mean, it's literally just can't. As you said, and my friend tells me after saying literally every literally every sentence. So I (laughs) apologise for literally saying that. It just it was nothing. It's absolutely nothing. I remember Barry. There's Barry Glendenning getting upset because we had a, a cooperation with EA Sports and they did a computer mock-up of Nasri scoring in a derby and he said it was classless. And it's like, this is where we're at now, aren't we, <laughs> as a society, really. This is where we're at. And Kyle, Walker, Kyle Walker's PR doing a tweet is now something that we're all going to be outraged at whilst there's food banks at Bolton. You know, it's that sort of Levels. thing. It's unbelievable. Uh, should I go back to the original question? <laughs> yes. Could you could you could you go back to the original question, which is basically oh. the fourteen-game winning streak. It begins by beating Arsenal three-one, yeah. but for me, the pivotal result within the early part. Certainly, if you if you kind of break the fixtures down into their kind of into little blocks of five or six, I think that the che- the Chelsea performance and result is crucial in giving us the confidence that we need. Would you go along with that? No. <laughs> no. Oh. no. Literally, I'd say all three in that week were crucial. So okay. because the Arsenal one, uh I think we scored very early, they equalised for the corner. And I've t- I watched the highlights yesterday, you know, to write about it and we you know, for a lot they were very dangerous first half. And it's you know, again you're looking at this thinking the season's dropping away again. We can't afford to lose points. Uh but they turned it around second half. But the Everton game midweek was brought forward and it made the week really, really difficult. And I thought it was terrible timing to have the Everton game when we've got Arsenal-Chelsea around it. So I think, oh. in a way, the Everton game's the biggest one of the lot because it meant it got us up the table. I think we went top that. So we were top because we played a game more. And I think it just, even, you know, just to have the points on the board for a game that we shouldn't have been playing yet because it was on a cup <coughs> weekend originally. I think that then fed into the Chelsea game as well. I really can't separate those three games, Asan. So that's the reason I disagree with you. I think every okay. single one that week, that was a huge, huge week. 
Because after it, again, yeah. we had the FA Cup and the Champions League. So we're, we're forgetting the league again after this. It was a huge week. To win all three was massive. Yeah, mm, I, absolutely. I, the interesting thing about the Everton game is that I thought that as well. But when we look back on it, they were playing poorly at the time. It was their worst point of the season. Had that game been played in April, they'd yeah. have been flying. Yeah. So it 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 it, it turns around. I re- I remember th- those three matches, thinking this was the time that uh, various players contributed hugely at various times of the season, and, and this really was Aguero's moment. And it reminded me of watching, <laughs> in rather less happy circumstances, a long time ago, United claw back Newcastle. Um, in 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 ninety uh, was it ninety six wasn't it? And, oh, yeah. and there were it was it was Cantona scoring continually yep. to win that. And it, uh, 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 Aguero at that point and at other times again, including to Brighton on the last day, he just said, yeah, I've had enough of this. Yeah. But if, if you want a definition of pessimism, Chelsea had a, a spell of pressure when we were 4 <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, if, if they get one now, if they get one before half time. Oh. <laughs> I could be curtains. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Absolutely love it. Um, Jordan, did you? I'm interested in what your f- sense was of what was going to be required to retain the title at that point. Because obviously, we have a conversation about the beginning of the season and the idea that it's probably unrealistic at the start to expect City to get 95 plus points. Then you find yourself where we find ourselves in mid to late Feb, where you've got momentum, the side looks strong it looks robust again you feel as though you've got through a lot of big games and you've got the big results did you feel then at that point that the challenge was different for City with Liverpool did you, did you think then that we were stronger and that we were always going to get across the line from there or did you see the challenge from Liverpool as being still serious oh no I, I didn't think City were going to get across the line until they'd beaten Spurs you know, I, 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 on, I, <laughs> what, well, like two weeks ago? Yeah, after that, after that, what well, was after the United game? United came after that, didn't it? Yeah, it's after yeah, that. Okay. I, I honestly thought Liverpool were still favourites because they didn't seem like dropping points. Um, and despite City returning to the top, I, I genuinely thought City would have to win all their remaining games to, to win the league. Um, but g- going back to what you said about the Chelsea game, Ace, and I, I think it did set the tone because City had just beaten Burton and Rotherham by a stupid amount of goals, I can't even remember. Um, but to do it against the top four side and go four 0 up inside twenty minutes sort of restored the the calmness to the um, to the situation and to to sort of allow the fans to remember that City are perfectly capable of going on this fourteen game winning streak and you know some of the goals in that game Aguero um, his second was just delightful probably would have been City's goal of the season had it not been for Company's wooden strike. Um, so yeah, I, I genuinely thought that Liverpool were still comfortable favourites, and I've got a lot of mates who support Liverpool, and I was saying the same to them. I, I am a pessimist, like how it is. Um, but what was it about their? I'm, I'm really genuinely interested by this uh, because I, I wasn't right. Mm. So and and actually, I think that my point of view was vindicated by the number of points that they had to win in the last. 10 minutes of games through strange circumstances. 
because I don't think I think we had to win fourteen games because in the end they do they they get across the line in all of those games, but a lot of those games felt like Liverpool getting across the line rather than doing what City were doing, which was basically going next, mm. next. Um, so what in particular was it about the Liverpool challenge that made you so sure that they would win it at that point? Because you weren't the only one. Loads yeah. of blues that I, that I knew felt like, yeah, realistically, we're not doing this. And I didn't really understand why. And I never really asked, so now's an opportunity. I, I think your view is the the logical and rational one that, that Liverpool were having to scrape across the line and that City were you know, almost coasting through games. But I think it can be looked at two ways. And I think if if you're a pessimist, you see those last gasp, last gasp winners as signs almost and that this is this is going to be their year and how can you compete with that level of luck? Um because I don't I can't recall City getting many, many similar pieces of luck that Liverpool had. And also I think I sort of viewed Liverpool as more solid defensively. They, I think in the first half of the season, they conceded about three goals. They, they, they didn't look like conceding. And I think while City were scoring loads of goals, there was more of a, a chance for things to go wrong defensively. So I, I still didn't feel that City were, I don't know, you, you don't write this City side off, but I, I couldn't see where Liverpool were dropping points, especially with the things going their way, rather than as you viewed it, despite the things going their way. That, that old did, adage did, of a title being won on a, you know, a tight defence. Yeah. Because by the end of the season, I think we, uh, well, we almost caught them up, didn't we, for goals conceded. So. I just want you guys to let Mark speak, because I know he's been trying to say something. Sorry, Mark. Yeah. yeah. I've just uh, in, in terms of making up that distance on, on Liverpool, the needing to win game after game, you can think about it from the performances of the players. The problems that we had was we got De Bruyne injured in the first week of the season, but Bernardo made up for that fundamentally um, uh, uh, over the season. We were then worried about Fernandinho getting injured. The thing that helped us on that one was the ability of Gundogan. He's not quite the same player, but he was so near by the end in that position that we, we, we fundamentally, we probably missed Fernandinho slightly, but we were conceding so few goals that we, we, we that there was a workaround on that one, and the only other risk factor we had in our team, and was the dog that didn't bark but worried me was Edison getting injured, which didn't happen because m- one of my worries would be there would be a massive game towards the end of the season that Edison couldn't play, and uh, and I mean Murich may be fantastic, but it's a hell of an ask for him to come in and basically suddenly play one of those last half dozen games. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess that I, I kind of look at. It's funny. I, I I remember hearing that. When did what was the game where Edison kind of injured his heel? Yeah, yeah. Um, is that Spurs Champions League? In fact, yeah, it was because I remember thinking he struggled to get Champions- down low because of it. Yeah, it was Spurs in the Champions League. I, I'm all right. I'm all right with Murich. Um, I, I think that uh, I, I get what you're saying. I know the build-up is really important, but I, I really rate Murich a lot, and I know he's really high, highly rated around the club. So I think I've had a huge issue with that. Um, yeah, but I think he's just got to play some games, and this may totally. be one of Guardiola's thing next season. They, they've got to get him involved in some Premier League games. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that that's always a, a tricky thing with the. 
<laughs> when you when your backup keeper is young, I think that's the tricky thing. Then is is when do you give them games? Do you give them league games or do you do you only give them cup games? Um, okay, so look, fourteen game winning streak. It is what it is. We are back to back Premier League champions now. Um, but talk to me, Howard. I'm going to start with you because I asked it in the immediate aftermath of the of the title win. But I think it deserves another airing now. Uh, and I'd like to know what the three of you think relatively briefly. Is this Pep's title or the player's title and why? Oh, you can't say it's one or the other. I think, I mean, I, I'm, inter- I, I, I'm interested to make... Okay, so maybe I'll rephrase it. So you can give one last season and this season. You give one to the players and one to Pep. Which one are you giving to Pep and which one are you giving to the players? <laughs> uh... Uh, well, you give this one to the players because what I said at the beginning and then the beginning of the season is this is about mental strength. Mm. And Pep's Pep's not just a coach or a tactician. If you're a manager, you're a, you're a man manager. You are <coughs> around son, you've got to kick some up the backside. So he's part of that. But at the end of the day, it's down to the players on the pitch to do that. To, you know, to, they're the ones in the heat of the battle that have to perform at those key moments where the season could have you know fallen apart where they had to win every single game for like three months in the league. They're the ones that stood up to be counted. So Pep's system is absolutely crucial to what's happened in the last two years. Uh wouldn't be here where we are. Because I said on the last on the review show of the Brighton game, this squad's not perfect. I still mm. think it performs better than some of its parts, even though it's absolutely full of brilliance it's not perfect it's not the greatest squad the world has ever seen uh, and Pep it's better you know it's getting the results in the league at least because of Pep but yeah if you've got to give one each then the players take this one because regaining the title is down to the players more than Pep perhaps okay John uh, I disagree with that um, I'd, I'd say <laughs> that <laughs> I'd say the last one was down to the players more because they, they sort of blew everyone out of the water and City were just utterly brilliant of course Pep plays a part and I, I agree with what you say Howard that it shouldn't really be one or the other but just choosing choosing one or the other um, I think this one belongs to Pep and also his backroom staff because just what I said earlier about City looking like they'd hit a wall in December. Yes, it takes great strength from the players to come back from those defeats and go on a 14 win streak. Um, But I think that's inspired by Pep. Uh, It's so easy for those runs to spiral and get even worse. And I think he played a major part in, in restoring a bit of energy to the squad mentally. Um, And also I was what, when I was watching the, all the goals, I was thinking about what Bielsa said um, about Guardiola, which I saw recently. And he said, it's all about trying to find spaces to get the ball into the goal. And if you can't find one, he'll find another one. And so many of those goals are just really, really tight. And I just, for some reason, I don't feel that City would have got those goals without Guardiola. And I don't think City would have won this title without Guardiola. Last season, it's far more conceivable that City, with a different manager and the same group of players, would have won the title this year to get 98 points, beat your biggest rivals in terms of, um, you know, quality of squads by one point, I think does not happen without Guardiola at the helm. Mm. Yeah. Um, Mark, who would you give 
which title to? Completely torn on this one because on the one hand, I thought that Guardiola's management, a man management of that team and the way that he moved the squad around and involved people like Foden, who we've not even mentioned, exactly the right amount of game time for him. I mean, absolutely on the nose, got it completely right. And other players clearly managed a, a situation with Sane that we don't quite know what's going on um, there, but there, there, there is something going on. Carl Walker's loss of form, ability to take him out of the team for a couple of weeks and then bring him back and he was better. Probably, to be fair, realised that Walker just needed a break, just mentally tired. Mm. And he did improve after that. Um, All of that is absolutely outstanding and dealing with the myriad other distractions that are inevitable in this thing. On the other hand, I don't think that uh, the... Probably in the end, the iconic, the crucial goal at Leicester exactly came out of his coaching play. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very uh, so it, it's it's so difficult. It it really is, and uh, 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 it probably is a false question in the end. It is a false question, but it, it is it is one that I do. I don't know why it's kind of stayed with me since the final whistle at, at Brighton, but I I have I do feel this is Pep's title this season. I do think that. I don't think that City could have retained the title having done what they did last season, again this season, with that type of pressure, with any other coach. I think only Pep Guardiola can get a team to win 14 games on the bounce in the league under the pressure that we um, that we won it under. Uh, okay, now, I want to give something back to the players. I want to kind of, I mean, obviously, we're, um, we're going to do, for the listeners, we're going to do proper season reviews next week and everybody will talk about their player of the season, all that kind of stuff. Just want briefly for, for the three of you to kind of talk about moments, players, goals, things that we haven't talked about that mattered to you um, and why they mattered to you or things that made you smile. I mean, for me, I feel as though it's weird, even within this conversation, and I think this is a lot to do with the City supporter psyche. I think we are quite pessimistic, and I think that that means that even in a podcast like this, we do end up talking about, you know, for the longest time about what happens in December. We do end up talking about Kyle Walker's dip in form, that sort of stuff. On the flip side of that, what made you happy this season? What made you smile? Howard, I'm going to start with you. Yeah, well, winning the league. <laughs> <laughs> so the key moment, uh, I'd say Mahrez's third goal against Brighton is when it kind of dawned on me that they'd got over the line. Uh, so that Vinny's pile driver the week before was you know, one of the greatest moments ever. <laughs> uh, I've already said nothing will beat 2000, you know, QPR and whatnot. But that, the moment that went in when, again, the league was slipping away was just one of the greatest moments. And for five seconds, Raheem Sterling's fifth goal, the fifth goal against Spurs before they ruled it out was, even though you know, it, it was followed by abject misery, for that five seconds, I couldn't have been happier because <laughs> it was mm. astonishing. Uh, as always, what makes me happy is seeing Vinny Vincent Company lift that trophy at the end of the season. In fact, yeah. him lifting any trophy... So to see him do it twice this season has been amazing. To see us win two more penalty shootouts has been amazing. Uh, the goals is just there's so many. There's just I mean there really is 
And the other moment, as we've already discussed, obviously, the Sane winner against Liverpool. Uh, I've written down some forgotten highlights. Not about making smile, but, you know, just moments that we'll probably forget. When you get 98 points, we go to two cup finals and deep into a third one. And when you break the goal-scoring records again, there is going to be a lot that you'll forget because that's natural. Uh, I've also put the third goal against United. That mm. was this season, wasn't it? The yeah, the Gundogan one. That, that made me... I mean, that just made me laugh out loud. It was just ridiculous. Uh, the three- Can I just mention we've gone an hour into this pod and we haven't even mentioned them yet. Yeah, I know. We're doing quite well. Well, maybe we should have a pod just for them. Uh, the three... <laughs> just, uh, ju- ju- just to have a laugh, because we're recording this before the cup final, and to discover that we could win, and I really want us to win, but if we lose, then it means that they're playing the U- Europa League in July against Farmers. Yeah. Well, good... <laughs> they are reliant on our victory to avoid that. Yeah. And Good practice for the future. Good practice for their future, anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah, 3-0 win is Chateau. is probably very easily forgotten. was one of our most professional Champions League performances. Sane's free kicks. There's one against Hoffenheim that I put on Twitter the other day. And I'm forgetting. Oh, yeah, the, the one is Schalke and mm. Sterling's late winner where we had 10 men. That was They were amazing. Uh, yeah, just... We've, just walking up Wembley Way every three months, say, Sam. <laughs> we've also forgotten that. Or cheating by playing Spurs in the league. But, you know, that is just, just what a time to be alive, really. Uh, just so many goals, so many moments. But I think the last point I make is we've got the atmosphere back as well because we had to win the last 14 games because of those crazy Spurs games, the Champions League. Some of the best atmospheres of recent years just came towards the end of that season when mm. everything was on the line. Because it obviously means more <laughs> to win those games than some bog-standard 2-0 win earlier in the season owned to a promoted team where you know you're going to win. And it just, yeah, there was some tense, nervous, amazing atmospheres. And some of the best times were those full, full-time whistles. And we're beating, when we're beating Leicester, when we're beating United, when we're beating Liverpool. Certainly in the last month, I think that in the last sort of five, six weeks, however long it is, there's been there's been enough one nils that I'm, I'm. In fact, in the last two months, I'd say there's been enough one nils to to last me a lifetime in many respects, or at least nervy, nervy games. Yeah. Um, Jordan, what about for you? What is I've got? I've got one goal which so far nobody's mentioned yet, which for me I think is my most heaviest of heavy goals of the season. Oh. Um so Jordan, go for it. What what are your pick pick me a goal. Pick me one goal that stands out for you. There's a question. Um I love the Aguero goal against Chelsea. Uh, the the one where he just whacks it into the top corner. Maybe not for significance, but just for I mean everyone could say company, so I'm trying to be a little bit different. Um mm. But yeah, there's there's so many great goals. I think Howard's taken most of them. Um, oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> it's okay uh, as long as they get get remembered. Uh, also, yeah, looking again at quality, the one that I mentioned earlier, Edison's assist for Aguero against Huddersfield, goal of real quality. I'm banging the Aguero drum a little bit because I feel that he is a bit of an unsung hero somehow. Hundred percent. Um, I, I think he's been absolutely brilliant. His consistency over the last seven years. Um, I think he scored. 20 plus goals in his last six Premier League seasons, which has only been done by Alan Shearer. 
Um, he is phenomenal. He really is. And uh, watching all those goals last night um, from this season makes me think that City don't re- need to worry about another centre-forward just yet because he is a, just astonishing. It's it, absolutely deadly in the box. Uh, in terms of my moment of the season, Coffee and Howard a little bit, but it's easy to say Brighton, but for a different reason, when Gundogan's free kick went in, yeah. the camera panned to Guardiola and he was hugging Arteta and Rodolfo yeah. Burrell and it was such a pure smile and it just, you see the happiness sort of flow out of him because this is a guy who puts everything into his work and will not have been able to enjoy anything until that title was wrapped up. So I thought that was a really nice moment. Um, so that's probably what I'd go for, trying to be a little okay. bit different. But I'm trying okay. to cast my mind back to, to what you think is the most important goal this season. It's going to bug me until you tell me. Mark, what about... <laughs> I'm going to go for the, the, the lightest of light goals, actually. But it actually, it proves something. It's, it is Aguero. And I just remember this moment, just and laughing with... Uh, uh, I was at the match with my old man. Burnley in the FA <laughs> Cup. We're 4-0 up. And about 10 minutes to go. The match is as dead as dead can possibly be. Um, and they bring Aguero on just because I think he hadn't played. I think the Bur- one of the Burton games has been the week before and he hadn't played. And you know with, with with Sergio, you don't want to overplay him, but you've got to keep him moving. Otherwise, he, uh, uh, he, he, he doesn't quite work. So Guardiola just gave him 15 minutes. Within about a minute of him coming on, ball goes down the wing and City get a really, really, really obvious penalty. If we go from 4-0 to potentially 5-0, at this point, I just see Aguero in the corner of my eye sprint to the penalty spot and like a a school playground, stand on the penalty spot. (laughs) And I thought, you are a greedy bastard, aren't you, Serge? (laughs) But uh, at which point he took the penalty. And and I wish he didn't take penalties when Gundogan was on the pitch because he's not as good as Gundogan. It's simple as that. But I thought, that is why you've got you could get 300 goals for City. You are that greedy and you are that good. And it's it's Burnley. You're 4-0 up in the cup. This is the, the most meaningless goal you'll ever score for City. But he, he was there in the moment and loved it. Okay. And, and that, that was certainly one moment. And it's the sort of thing you get from being at the match. You don't see those sorts of things on TV because the, the director's obviously looking at the instant. You could, it, it all happened off camera. Definitely, and I just think I think we I completely agree with Jordan as well. I think that the season that Aguero's had, in many respects, maybe I'm leaning towards Aguero as my player of the season because I think that when it comes to the crunch, and it has come to the crunch a few times this season, more often than not, it's been Aguero who's been the guy who's done the big thing in the big moment, um, and yeah. So, but my heaviest of heavy goals that nobody's mentioned yet, which I can I have one more the- guess. Yeah, go for it. Bernardo at Old Trafford. Boom! That's the one, lad, of all Ah, the goals this season. Bernardo's goal at Old Trafford was... The celebration for that was was pretty, pretty, pretty wild for me because I think that I'd always felt somehow, because Spurs was at home again after the madness of the Champions League, that we do something in that game and we beat Spurs. But because it was midweek, because of the emotional energy that had been expended in the previous seven or eight days, to go to Old Trafford, to not get the breakthrough for as long as we weren't getting the breakthrough for, and then for Bernardo to basically go, right, I'm going to do this. And to do it like that, that was just an 
I mean, any goal to put you ahead at Old Trafford, <coughs> massive, massive, massive goal. But that one in particular in this season, it's my, it's the one that's seared in my memory as the moment that I went like, we're we're winning this, we're fucking winning this league. Do you know what I mean? We are these players are not giving this up. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> By how excited I am by just talking about it again. But yeah, that was that was probably my yeah. I mean, can I just me- me- mention one other day? Because I think it was important. We we'd not mentioned winning the League Cup, and if you're talking about it, it's a just odd moment of the season that the situation where we thought that we were going to have to take penalties against Caballero and that the Kepa thing <laughs> is <laughs> we've just forgotten about it. But that is the sort of thing you tell your grandchildren. And of course, that was a crucial day because Liverpool had a real chance to beat United that day, and they didn't. And I, I remember thinking that day, you know, we're going to do this. Yeah, it was a big. That was a big day as well. And it's true that there's been so much. It's been a. It's been a mental season in in many respects. And that that whole Kepa thing was just. <laughs> it was just lunacy. How do we feel? I mean, obviously, I wanted to talk really just about the Premier League season and and in very general terms how it's unfolded and how how we feel about it. But just very, very, very quickly, how proud are you of our record? in domestic cups since the takeover. Do we feel, I tweeted last week, maybe it was out of emotion, maybe it was out of somewhere else, but I saw it tweeted next season, maybe we need to look at, at, at doing what Liverpool did and just getting rid of the domestic cups and focusing on the league and the Champions League. But again, for me, as soon as you step into reflective mode and you reflect upon the season, there's nothing bigger than than lifting trophies and there's nothing more important than lifting trophies and you know, you can only win the ones that are put in front of you and the, the League Cup is the first one that's put in front of you. And for that reason alone, I think now I'm going to completely contradict myself. You should win it every year if you can, because it just, it sets the tone. Mm. Jordan, what about for you? Yeah, no, it, I agree. It takes the pressure off to an extent um, to get that first trophy in the bag. Uh, I'm a big fan of the domestic cups, so putting my fan hat on, um, the 2011 FA Cup, obviously first trophy in 35 years. When Yaya scored at Wembley against um, United, that's for, for, for me as a fan, I was seven rows behind the goal where that went in. I was only 15 at the time. Um, and that is only rivaled by the Aguero moment for me in terms of pure limbs that I've seen flying around me. It's just a sea of bodies <laughs> flying forward. I ended up on the first row with some guy came back and some guy was sat in my seat. Um, it's it's a great feeling to win a trophy and I don't think that should be sacrificed regardless of what the trophy is and I I think that's reflected in how Pep views even the uh, Community Shield Um, he he says in Spain it's a big deal so in here we should count it as a trophy and I agree it it sets the tone for the start of the season and any chance of silverware you should take yeah, Community Beautiful. Shield is not a trophy. No, but I, I get why he feels that it should be because in Spain it's a big deal. You know, you have the European Super Cup, which Cup Winners' Cup is a big deal or was a big deal. And you, you're playing the second best side in England. It's first versus second. And I think because of the way that pre-seasons have gone, digressing a little bit, um, in terms of being about flying out to places and gaining new fans, uh, it's been sort of taken away because players aren't really ready for for that game. But I still think it should be considered a, a quite a big deal to beat the the second best team in England. Mark, yeah, I think what? that yeah, the other Community Shield, Sir Alex Ferguson always counted it as a trophy, and I think he, to be fair, he knows something about 
accumulating trophies. Yeah. So I, I'm actually with Pep on mm. this one, and I think we're going for a quadruple, not a, a treble. Simple as that. To be fair, the community are they sometimes you play in the FA Cup winners, so it's it, yeah, it's the FA Cup yeah. winners against the. Uh, it it uh, could yeah. be somewhat uh, yeah. It could be Wigan you're playing. <laughs> so well, United, yeah. David but Moyes won it. You, see, you, 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 you still, I, I've got quite firm views on this one. I think that Liverpool sacking off the Cups was extremely counterproductive from their point of view. I think they lost momentum. I think you just play the games as they come. Uh, and it does put pressure on other things because suddenly it became that from January onwards, it was the league or the Champions League, which are the two most difficult to win. And they've now got the situation of the Champions League final. The the pressure is absolutely on Liverpool because they they, they, they could get ninety seven points, lose one game, brilliant season, can never do better, and win nothing. Fuck and that's quite possible going against a team who are probably a bit surprised to be there, who are under no pressure, but as we know, in a one off game are really good and have probably got a, a 40% chance of winning it. I hope they lose 6-0, <laughs> do you know what I mean? That's, that's I, 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 I think psychologically, from their point of view, that would be a problem. So I, I, I'm absolutely of the fact that we are not so blasé or jaded that we ever throw off domestic cup competitions. I really don't like it. Um, I apologise for saying play, it. Play I the players. It. I'm just I'm, not I'm, convinced, Asan, that if we'd sacked off the two cups, we'd have had a better chance. I think, you, I, think you, I think you're right. I think that what I should have... I think that me saying I wanted to sack the domestic cups off was because what I didn't want to say was, look, Guardiola got his selection wrong across the semi-final of the FA Cup and the uh, and the first leg against Spurs. It's that simple. I think that... Yeah. I, I, I would imagine that privately, if you sit Pep down and you can say, and you say you can play those two games again, he wouldn't pick the same teams in either game. Um, and I'm not even convinced that he picks the same tactic because I think that what's subsequently happened in the Champions League has borne out this idea that as much as maybe in the past where Guardiola has fallen down, it's because he's been too open this year. It's about scoring goals. And I feel as though as we move forward into next season's tournament, it will be more about the goals that you score rather than the goals that you concede. And I feel as though had we gone toe-to-toe with Spurs, we'd have scored enough goals to get across the line over mm-hmm. two legs. But okay, that's that's Yeah, it. I think the other thing as well is that if we'd done that, we'd have missed out on the uh, the Newport game, which I thought was really good fun. <laughs> yeah, very true. Just a quick very word true, as well get... uh, on the domestic cups. I don't mean to belittle any of City's achievements, but wow, City will never get a run like that some of the some of the draws have been phenomenal. You, you, you couldn't pick better draws if you tried. So I, I think City are, are right to make the most of going for these cups whilst they've been given the draws that they have. The key, yeah, no, definitely. key moment in the season, I think, was drawing Burton when you had a Tottenham and yes, Chelsea. Yes, yeah. Didn't fancy two just, legs against took that. The pressure. I mean, he still played strong sides, but it took the pressure off that Christmas-January schedule. That's the one that was key. I think getting lower league sides in the early round of the cup. Well, the chances are you will do anyway. Uh, and of course, we won the champions. We won the league last year, so we're seeded in the Champions League. We won the group, so you get a, an easy one there. Bit of luck, obviously. Still getting Schalke, maybe. Uh, and Spurs were still probably better than the alternatives. But yeah, the Burton one stands out for me mm. because it just took the pressure off in the most hectic time of the season. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, right. I mean, that was a nice chat. The whole point of this was to feel like the listeners have had a bath once they've listened to it. They feel clean. They feel whole. We feel like Manchester City Football Club, the thing on the pitch that matters with the 11 players and the manager. Pretty good at that, aren't we? Like, p- putting all the off-the-field shit aside, we're pretty good at the part that is actually important, and that's the football part. And we, I think, can be incredibly proud of what this team and this manager achieved in the Premier League this season. Um, 14 games on the bounce to win the league at the very end, in my opinion, is a bigger achievement than getting 100 points last season because in many respects, those final 15 or 20 or whatever they were, they were played with no pressure. Um, Whereas this was just constant pressure basically from the 3rd of February onwards. So to go the 3rd of February to the 12th of March without losing a game and with knowing every week, week after week that Liverpool are winning is, is just, it's just incredible. And it's kind of getting lost in the noise. So let's make sure that it doesn't get lost in the next few weeks as well. Um, Anybody want to jump in with a final word before I thank you all? Um, Just to say that this was probably the greatest title defence in English history, as far as I know. Just just because of the the quality of Liverpool to get 97 points and not win the league. Say what you want about them. That that, that shouldn't happen. So it's... <laughs> it's testament to how brilliant City were, and uh, it shouldn't be forgotten, and it shouldn't be swept under the carpet. Because if uh, any other side had done it, then it would be getting more recognition. Yeah, I disagree. It's the greatest title defense. I'd say it's the greatest title win. Period. Oh, well, Leicester oh, fans okay. might have a go, but okay. Oh well, yeah. Well, I'm, t- I'm talking. No, that that was ridiculous, it's astonishing. That's a fair point. But still, quality. If we just quality wise, side and quality and what they had to do to win it, uh, I can give you the argument for Leicester definitely. Yeah, but this was still the most skillful, and you know, I don't. Yeah, I think it ranks right at the top. So for, I, for the skill think, involved, think, for the the goals, for the performances, it's at the top. I think we're recording it before the cup final, and I think that there is this still one massive chapter. Still to be written. Absolutely. I think if it's the treble, there there really isn't any doubt. And I, you just got to go back to the uh, how you look at this at the start of the season. They won two trophies last year. Is there's a league, which is what it is, and th- and in the end, three cup competitions you can go for. In order to uh, win a cup competition, you've got to have a moment of good fortune and our moments of good fortune in cup competitions have tended to come in the domestic cups rather than the champions league. Yep. And yeah, it, it, it's a simple thing. We were extraordinarily close against Spurs. Yeah. I mean, I think that when we do, this was really about the premier league. When we talk properly about the champions league and do our season reviews, I could probably fill 45 minutes with that Spurs game. In fact, with both, I could do a podcast on the first leg and a podcast on the second leg. They were mental. Um, But that's for next week or maybe the week after. I apologise then for putting in Champions League highlights. That's all right. Not read the script very well, have I? That's that's all right. Do you know what I mean? This was just, 
I just felt I needed to do a podcast today. I just right. felt with this week, we all need something that reminds us of what we've achieved in the league already this season. Well, what we have achieved in the season, just gone. Um, right, Jordan, thank you so much. No problems. Thanks for having me on. Mark, thank you so much. It's always a pleasure. Mr. Hawking, thank you. Yeah, pleasure as always. <laughs> to everybody who listened, I genuinely do hope this felt like a bath. I hope you feel cleansed, refreshed. I hope you're proud of what City and this team achieved this season. Hopefully we'll be back uh, next week to talk about the domestic treble that we've won uh, by beating Watford in the FA Cup final. In the meantime, be safe, be well, and as always, up the blues. <laughs>